Thanks anyway. Good morning, everybody. How you doing? That was a great video. What a great, uh, what a great image of how God works. He goes into a dead place and brings life. Um, Jan and I've been on the road a little bit, which is kind of where we're at in our life right now. And she's up in Seattle right now, and I'm batching it. So Anna's gone doing some other stuff, prophetic art and etc. So my women are coming back ASAP. I even got out. I didn't bring my watch with me this morning. You know, I, I did get dressed. I mean, that's. And for that, you're eternally grateful, I know. <laughs> Last week on Facebook, I saw something really kind of cool. Um, a guy had a, a video, and he was just talking, and he said there was a teacher that got a bunch of old magazines, the same one, because she wanted something in the magazine for each kid. So in there, she was teaching geography, and in there was a map of the United States. So she handed out the magazines to the kids and told the kids to tear out the map of the United States, and then just tear it in a bunch of pieces like kids love to do. You know, if I'm a kid, give me something to tear up, I'll do it anyway. And, uh, and then she said, here, for everybody here, scotch tape, we're going to have you put the map back together, see how good you are in geography, which is kind of like an impossibility. After you tell the kids to tear it into a million pieces, now they've got to put the thing back together. And I don't know about you, that ta- I'm pretty good at geography. I don't know if I could do that. And this one little kid out of about 30 students, one little kid in about 10 minutes runs up with a completed map, lays it on the teacher's desk. The teacher says, wait a minute, I couldn't do it that fast, and I'm really good at geography. He said, well, it wasn't really hard. He said, you know, when you had us tear that map out, on the back side was the picture of a man's face, so I just reassembled his face. And the, <laughs> and the nation came together. Wow. So... You know, this stuff that we're doing here in in life and ministry really isn't about the big picture. It's about one person at a time. And if you can put one person back together in every season of your life, can you just imagine what that would be? Just a beautiful illustration of really what the focus of the church is supposed to be. Um, This morning I'm going to talk about something that's just kind of gritty. You know, the church is pretty gritty. We have a tendency to ungrit it and it, it loses a little bit of juice. Um... I'm going to talk about demons and demon possession and spiritual power in high places. And that's pretty gritty stuff. You look at the fruit of the Spirit. We talk about this occasionally. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, long-suffering, self-control. Kind of like the the oily wrench in the fruit bowl, you know. Um, I want to talk about this because I'm looking out across the landscape of the world that I live in and that you live in, and there's a lot of stuff going down right now that that no longer can fit under the definition of mental illness, that can no longer fit under the definition of social strata, that can no longer fit under some of the dilemmas culturally that we have attached to them, some of these things are flat-out, pure, unadulterated evil. Here's the problem with the church. We have a tendency to throw rocks at the ones that are being used by the puppet master himself. And we have a tendency to not use discernment to follow the strings from the puppet to the puppet master to find out really what is orchestrating this. There's a lot of people being used by darkness today in our world. They're not the enemy. The enemy is the enemy. So it's probably a good idea for you to know about this kind of stuff a little bit. And what's goofy about this is I could probably spend 30 days teaching this to you and we would never come to the end of the application of some of these truths. It's kind of an unusual summer. In the next few months, I'll be meeting in several settings where uh, there are unadvertised 
private strategy gatherings to process things like leadership, reformation in the church, and issues of culture. And these are uh, gatherings of folks that uh, it's not on Facebook, it's not a, a conference that anybody goes to, it's an email that gathers leaders to process some of the stuff that we're talking about this morning. So I'm going to pray, um, because if, you, if you're not aware of it, demons are everywhere, and so is God. There's demons in this room right now. And that makes the evangelical, Protestant, American, whitewashed, brainwashed Christian nervous. But, you know, greater, <laughs> greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Amen. That kind of settled that one. So, so Lord, I just want to pray right now. Thank you for this day. Thank you, God, that you're on the throne, powerful, majestic, and righteous. And that everything that would come against us actually comes against you because we carry you. And so today, Lord, we're... Um, Dark, darkness would lie to people. We pray that there would be a revelation of truth and may, may the shaft of the, your light pierce the hearts of your church. And I say hearts because our hearts make up the heart of the church. In Jesus' name, amen. I, uh, probably my wife should teach this. She's really, she does this all the time, every day. Uh, and we don't talk about who she ministers to. That's none of my business. But she comes home and tells me, says, Garris, the majority of what I'm doing right now doesn't look or sound like traditional release from demonic powers, but that's the majority of what I do when I meet with people. And that, that made some of you nervous. But that's okay. We need, to, we need to process this. Now, some of you that were raised like me as a good old Baptist kid, you're, you're thinking, where's this boy going? Well, let me tell you where I'm going. You're made up of a body, soul, and spirit. Three-part, kind of like your father, you know, the Trinity God. Uh, your body, soul, and spirit, uh, when the spirit gets saved, nothing gets in there except God. Completely, absolutely, can never be touched by darkness. It's God. But then you've got this thing called a soul. And that beautiful thing you brought to church today called your body. You're supposed to laugh at that, but... <laughs> Your soul is where your emotions are, where the, where the junk your parents gave you that's unresolved lives. It's where your, your porn lives. It's where your uh, romance novels live. It's where you steal, rob, do things that are unrighteous. It's that part of you that can have the good stuff too, your emotions, your happiness, the who you are. But your soul is an interesting part of you because the soul is kind of what um, the devil likes to play with once God has the spirit. The devil says, well, then I'm going to go here and I'm going to find the piles of garbage and I'm going to bring the rats of darkness to this place. And if that makes you nervous, you've got to get over this because the nation's not going to get put together until you and I, one man, one woman at a, at a time, get put back together. We've got to get put back together. So don't get nervous here. Well, you'll be okay. I, I want to tell you a story. You know, um, gosh, this happened 30-some years ago. I was a young pastor I've, you know, over the last years, been in different countries around the world and in America, because it's no different, really. It's all spiritual. But I've, had, I've seen stuff that I wouldn't even tell you about here, because it just not <laughs> scares some of you. Uh, just the way that the enemy works. The enemy is a theatrical person. He, he likes to do things theatrically. But for the most part, his greatest work is never done with theatrics. His greatest work is done under the illusion of religion. And that's the sickest form of his work. So I'm going to tell you a story. This happened, like I said, when I was a young pastor. I, had, I hadn't been pastoring like three years. And actually, the first five years of a senior pastor's role, he's actually learning what he's actually going to do for the next 30. It's kind of like where you get the snot beat out of you, and then you, uh, 
you come around and you get healed up and God does something in you and then you come out of that and if your heart's still right, he can actually use you. So the first five years are a big deal. I had seen, Jan and I had actually manifestations of spirits come against us in, in the middle of the night to try to run us out of town. It was really crazy. But about three years into it, I got a, uh, I got a phone call in the middle of the night and that was back when we didn't have cell phones. You had one phone in the house, had a cord on it. You know, that kind of thing. Back when the dinosaurs were in telecom, you know, that's the old time. And um, there was a woman who had been attending our church that had a reputation in town of being kind of a, a, a lady that dabbled in dark spirits. And uh, the, the information in town, actually from one of the guys in the fire department, was that um, she's what they called a fire starter. Not with matches, but with demons. And so... Um, Two houses she had lived in in the last couple of years had burned to the ground. One of them had killed some of her relatives. And so she's a lady. I don't know how this works in the spirit realm. I don't really give a rip. But um, she would um, invite a, some form of a spiritual ignition in the house. The house would catch on fire and burn down. So I get a call. And it sounds just like this. This lady sounded so professional. Hi, is, uh, is this Pastor Garris? I said, yes, who is this? She gave me her name, and right away the hackles on the back of my neck went up, you know, this, oh, what's this about? He says, you know, Pastor, I'm just thinking now, and I'm, I'm looking in the Spirit, and I see flames in your house. And I said, in Jesus' name, there are no flames in this house, nor will there be any flames in this house, and I rebuke the Spirit talking to you right now in Jesus' name. Goodbye, sleep well, hung the phone up. Now, here's the deal. I told you that because I was scared to death when I heard that because there was serious evidence of this woman's activities. And, and some of you go, oh boy, I don't believe in this. Well, hang with me for a while or some folks in this room will show you some of this stuff. Here's what you can do with this. You can either ignore it or engage it. And if you ignore it, you can go la 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 and have your Hallmark Christian experience and that's great. But people are dying and going to hell and live in cemeteries that require the church to go to places where they confront darkness and engage it and dismantle its authority so that people can be set free. So this is where I'm at. Uh, scripturally, uh, let me give you a little background before we get into Mark chapter 5 here. Um, the disciples were sent out with these instructions from Jesus. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. Freely you receive, freely you give, Matthew 10. Why did he send him out? Because I'm going to send you out, it's truth, and because you're walking forward, not chasing this stuff, but because you're walking forward with my anointing, things are going to cross your path that you need to be able to deal with. Um, this stuff, this, this demon stuff, 65 references in the in Gospels alone, you think we probably need to spend a little time here. Uh, at the center of Jewish culture was the synagogue. It was kind of like the religious town hall, the synagogue. And this is where a lot of this took place. Uh, Mark 1 says this, And he, Jesus, went into the synagogues throughout all Galilee, preaching and casting out demons. This is your Lord. Wherever he went, preached the word, hell got stirred up, demons got cast out, and he said, well, let's go to the next town. This is how God designed the ministry of Jesus, and he invites the church to this ministry too. Now the problem with the church today is it's been led by a lot of baby boomers like me who came under some really weirdness in the 70s and in a reaction to that have not taught the church how to walk in the power of God. 
because we don't want to get there anymore. We're nervous with discipleship because we had the shepherding movement and we had crazy people. Demons were in everything, even spinning fans. I mean, it was, it was everywhere. Demons under every rock. Well, they're not under every rock, but they're under some rocks. And then I read in the scripture where in Luke 11 it says, but if I cast, this is Jesus, if I cast out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. In other words, if this is taking place, it is a visible manifestation of what the kingdom of God looks like. The kingdom of God was never designed for you and I to come on Sunday morning and sit here and let us listen to some good worship and a, and a word that we can kind of possibly understand and like and then go home and live these lives of desperation where stuff comes against us that is a torn up map that can't be reassembled. This is not what the church has been called to walk with. Now, I said 65 times in the Gospels, something about demonic powers are mentioned to demons or demoniacs, and it's, it's a fairly repetitive ministry of Christ. And if it was repetitive in his ministry and all through the book of Acts, why should it not be present here? Well, evangelical Protestant American says, well, that's actually just in Africa. Or in Mexico or Indonesia. It can't be here. I want to tell you something. Some of the most dangerous demons on earth inhabit this land because we have the resources and the freedom and the ability to export the gospel to the world. And if we can be silenced and if we can be dumbed up, then the world will not hear the gospel in such a great degree. I mean, think with me for a minute. What's behind the, the puppet that's out there on the world stage dancing and you're getting all mad at? Follow the string of the puppet to the puppet master, and it's not a political party. Gosh, can, can we get over that for just a minute, you know? Uh, whoever gets elected, God bless them. The day after the election, Jesus is still on the throne. He still has authority. I mean, honestly, I'm, I just, you know, I'm almost, uh, I won't say that. I'm getting, I, I'm just imagining Jan's there looking at me with love. I, I got to tell you, I, I, I thank God for a good woman. I have done the stupidest things and said the dumbest things and then go home thinking I had some hot sermon. And my wife says, hey, you know when you said that? I said, yeah, wasn't that anointed? <laughs> no. What? And then we, we stop, we have lunch and talk. Just, so if you've got a wife, thank God for him because guys by ourselves were knuckleheads. Let me read this scripture to you. Mark 5, verse 1 through 21. We're doing okay here. I, I know they want us out of here in about 10 minutes. That ain't going to happen. Verse 1. <laughs> Somebody go tell the students. Uh, verse 1, Mark 5. So they arrived at the other side of the lake in the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit came out of the tombs and met him. This man lived in the burial caves and could no longer be restrained, even with a chain. Whenever he was put into chains and shackles, as he often was, he snapped the chains from his wrists and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Day and night. In fact, that, that's what a lot of people think about ISIS and ISIL. I want to tell you something. God can subdue that. Day and night, he wandered among the burial caves and in the hills, howling and cutting himself with sharp stones. When Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him, ran to meet him, and bowed before him. With a shriek, he screamed, Why are you interfering with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? 
In the name of God, I beg you. A demon's asking for God's help. In the name of God, the demon says, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had already said to the spirit, come out of the man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus demanded, what is your name? And he replied, my name is Legion, because there are many of us inside the man. Thousands, actually. Then the evil spirits begged him again and again not to send them to some distant place. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on a hillside nearby. Send us into the pigs, the, demon, the spirits begged. Let us enter them. So Jesus gave them permission. The evil spirits came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the entire herd of about 2,000 pigs plunged down a steep hillside into the lake and drowned in the water. Can you imagine the dust, the squeals, and the splashing that was going on with 2,000 pigs falling down a cliff? The herdsmen fled to the nearby town and the surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. Ah! You know, they're, they're kind of like an announcement on, with Nikes. And... People rushed out to see what had happened. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus. And they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. He was sitting there fully clothed and perfectly sane, and they were all afraid. Boy, that is so true. When it, it's one thing to come Sunday morning, Wednesday night, or whenever you go to church, or if you're a visitor, whatever you do. It's one thing to do that. It's another thing to see the power of God demonstrated because, honestly, to the uninitiated, it's a fearful thing. Then those who had seen what happened told the others about the demon-possessed man and the pigs. And the crowd began pleading with Jesus to go away and leave them alone. Boy, what a picture of religion. Take this manifestation stuff and get out of our presence because we want our religion back. As Jesus, verse 18, was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged him to beg to go with him. But Jesus said, no, go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. So the man started off to visit the ten towns of the region and began to proclaim the great things Jesus had done for him, and everyone was amazed at what he told them. I've got, I want to pull six things out of here in the next five or six minutes that we've got left together, and here we go. I, here's how I do. I, I tell stories, read scripture, pull stuff out. That's how I preach. That, that's, that's my program. And so here's the first one. The presence of Jesus, whenever it is manifest, will always dislodge evil. So wherever you carry Jesus, you will dislodge evil in some form or another. Amen. Verse 2 says, an evil spirit came out from the tombs to meet him. You don't have to go find any of this stuff. It'll come find you. Here's the second thing. Evil can't be restrained by natural means. Why? The, the chains didn't work. The, you, in fact, can I just say this? You can't legislate or adjudicate or vote in strong enough chains to change the way a human being responds. Sorry, it just doesn't work. doesn't mean you don't do that. But you cannot legislate the will of a human being because what happens behind closed doors is still going to happen anyway, no matter what your laws are. It said, verse 3, he could no longer be chained. What breaks the chains is a power encounter with God. Chains do not get broken by counseling. God bless counselors. I love them. But you can't counsel the demon out. You only command them out. Then the counselor comes in after the person's been set free and is given life skills through good, healthy counseling techniques on how to live. Here's the third one. The entire culture 
will be impacted until something gets done with these dark spirits. In fact, it says day and night, verse 5, he wandered around howling. Can you imagine what it was like to live in that town? Gosh, honey, it's 2 a.m. It's that nut again. It's that crazy guy. I, you know, I don't think the guy was, I don't think, this is just my read. I don't even know if this is true, but here, here's what I'm thinking. I'm not so sure it was a demon howling. I'm, I'm thinking it was the man who knew he had no control, no ability that was howling in desperation. Just somebody come help me. That's kind of what I think it is. I, I don't know if that's true. Somebody go do a big word study on it and prove me wrong. I don't care. But I'm just thinking, this guy, you know, part of him wanted out of this, but when you're so deep in some of this stuff, you don't know how to get out. You need somebody to come get you. He wandered around. You know, church, you owe the culture that you live in. You owe everybody in this culture a power encounter with God. You owe it to them. Here's the fourth thing. That interference with evil is the ministry of the church. This uh, demon, verse 7, said, Why are you interfering with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? Why are you interfering with me? I've got an authority here. And you're interfering with this. And my heart is that the church would be in places where we, we stick our foot out and stumble hell. That everything that you do as an individual, now please don't make this a teaching about those people out there or those circumstances out there. Bring it into you and maybe even into your soulish part that you're still playing games with God and there's still garbage there and the devil comes to feed upon that garbage and to manifest his life through you and you say things you don't want to say, you do things you don't want to do, but your will allows the garbage to remain there because you're afraid if somebody knew that you have that kind of garbage in your soul that you would be thought less of. Do you want to really live that way? That's why it says confess your faults to one another. This is, this is spiritual warfare. It's not some Linda Blair spinning her head puking uh, pea soup. It's, it's bigger than that. It's powerful stuff that we carry. It's one man, one woman at a time getting hell, healed and getting hell out of there. Here's the fifth thing I noticed. The demonstrated power of God that we see here is actually a form of evangelism. Verse uh, 15 said, a crowd soon gathered around Jesus. Why? They saw the evidence of the power of God. And one of the missing ingredients in the church in evangelism is the power demonstration of God in the marketplace. Amen. The lion at Albertsons needs miracles. The streets of your city needs miracles. What did Jesus send back to John the Baptist so that John could actually die, have his head cut off, and die in peace? when John questioned if he was the Messiah. He gave a whole list of things that were signs and wonders, four of them, and then he said, yes, and the gospel is being preached to the poor. The gospel of the kingdom is what we're called to, not a gospel of evangelism. Evangelism is in the gospel of the kingdom, but the gospel of the kingdom is a, is a power manifestation on earth. It shifts realms, it changes culture, it confronts dark strongholds with truth, and it becomes a light shaft into dark places, and things begin to shift and change. And here's the sixth one. Those that get set free like this dear man here will discover their destiny. Verse 20 says, the man started off and he visited the ten, ten towns. This guy was like a wound up machine just talking about Jesus. Not that some guy showed up and preached a really wonderful sermon and I had a warm feeling. But I was in 
cased in thousands of demons and they're gone now and I don't have to howl at night anymore. And maybe I'll get married. Maybe, maybe the, when the wounds get healed up, some, uh, I'll look okay again. What a testimony. This, this is what it is. When God begins to move in power, the destiny of people is discovered. So let me wrap it with this. What, what do you do with this kind of a message? Again, I could, I could teach 30 days nonstop and get 10% of this whole topic done. Well, here's, here's what I would suggest to you, because some of you are nervous right now, and I can, I can get it. Because whenever, whenever we, we rock our comfortable boat of religious flat water, <laughs> people kind of get nervous a little bit. Where's the life jacket? So well, let me give you a few of those right now. Number one, Walk with freedom, not with fear. Just walk. Go straight down where God calls you to walk, and if something crosses your path, don't worry about it, but don't let fear immobilize you. Don't stand there like this. Just start walking. What's God said for you to do? Start moving. Jesus never chased one demon. They always came to him, and they came to him because he was doing what the Father asked him to do from point A to point B, and there was a demon between the two, and so he just dealt with it. You don't occupy yourself with that. Nor do you live in that naivety that most of evangelical Protestantism has, that we can preach demons out or we can hand backpacks to people and demons will flee. No, it doesn't happen that way. We have to get close enough to people to see what's wrong with them to speak the word of God when something comes up. And sometimes these are just confronting lies. Here's the second thing you can do. Just expect to meet hell. It's out there. Some of it walked in here this morning. Oh, boy, they get real quiet there. Because <laughs> there's something in the church that says there's this invisible uh, chemical shower that when you walk into church, <sighs> no problem. Oh, man, you haven't been a pastor. Come talk to me. Here's the third one. Realize, discover, understand what you carry. Again, and I've used this illustration so many times, if I were to take one of you and parachute you into a newly discovered civilization... You carry within you everything of the Spirit, all gifts, all anointing, all office, to establish the church in its fullness of what it is. The moment one person gets saved, it would be an unstoppable force. That's what you carry. You don't carry a little gift list. that you, The rest of it you don't do because it's not your gift. You carry apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. You carry every gift list in the Scripture. You carry every structural dimension of a church running at full orb power. You carry that inside you. And some of you may die never knowing what you carry. And God does not want that for you. Understand what you carry because when you start walking that way, demons will start going, what's your problem, buddy? This is my territory. He said, no, it's not because I'm here now and I represent the one who bought this territory. Here's a fourth one. There's three ways I've found that hell works. He lies, he bluffs, and he deceives. And it's so important that to counter those, you know the truth, you stand your ground, and you test the spirits. And if you don't know how to do those things, then you need to learn how to do them. And it's not a pastor's job to teach you that. It's your job. Somebody asked me, how did you, how did you end up writing six books and like 800, 900 articles in the last eight years? I said, I, I got rid of my cable subscription. <laughs> I don't watch TV. I had to make a choice. Do I want to write or do I want to watch some brainless thing or another sporting event and have my life being wrapped in the stats of sports 
or in the next episode of an ongoing, boring, brainless TV show? Or do I want to leave something behind? These are decisions we have to make. This isn't because I'm a pastor. It's because I came to a place in my life that I'm 66 years of age and I don't know how much longer I've got to live, so I'm going to get it out there and I'm going to leave it behind. And then finally, whatever it is, whatever you face, just keep moving. Keep focused on Jesus. Don't ever let a lie stop the call of your life. Now, sometimes these people will get to places like this poor guy in the, the garrisons where he was just in bondage that uh, Jesus has to come and take care of that. He still had a will, though. And the will of God did not get stripped, or the will of his decision-making did not get stripped from him. He still had to make choices, and he could choose. Even while he had 6,000 demons in him, he still chose to walk out to see Jesus. So I want you to stand, and I'm going to pray one quick thing, give this to Tori to wrap up. Lord, before Tori comes, I'm just going to pray this. We had a short time, and I kind of machine-gunned the church here today, so forgive me for that, Lord, but I wanted to get some stuff out. Maybe we'll just readjust ourselves a little bit and enjoy an hour and a half together. But um, I just pray right now before Tori comes up that there would be the release in this house of greater measures of spiritual discernment. Not suspicion, discernment. Big difference. And I ask you, Lord, to give us discerning eyes and ears to know what goes on around us, to see that what we are watching on TV screens and computer screens is not all just naturally explained. There are spiritual forces in high places orchestrating the demise of culture. And we ask you, Holy Spirit, to show us how to partner with what God's doing. Give us the eyes to see and the ears to hear. In Jesus' name.